The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a fun-filled episode of Dangerous World Podcast here. I've got my faithful assistant that you guys seem to uh, be growing more and more fond of, which is good. She tries really hard and does a good job with her research, and she's been chomping at the bit to get into this topic. Uh, the weird little town that... Uh, you may have heard of this Centralia, Pennsylvania before, but... Um, we kind of have a different theory about what's going on there and why people were flooded out. If you heard of it, it's the the you know place that Silent Hill, the video game and the the movie was based off. So um, I don't want to give too much away up front here because Kim did the bulk of the research here. And we're gonna have her share it, and I'm gonna give my thoughts. And I uh, dug into some of the symbols surrounding this stuff. Um, I'm big into that, as you may or may not know, but. Um, with that being said, support the show over at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. If you see fit, if you like the show, if you get some value, you can get full episodes, including this one and over a hundred other ones for only $3. And then we do the, uh, higher tiers too. If you want, uh, more content and, uh, you know, just to, just to support the work, the hustle as it were over a higher here. Higher tier gets more CD content. Ooh. Yeah. Racy photos of me. <laughs> Not. You don't get that's false advertising. Um, and then dangerousworldstore.com is going to be going through some changes. A company actually approached me that uh, I don't know how exclusive it is. It makes me feel good though. They approached me to possibly get my store uh, on with their platform. Uh, it's called Fourth Wall. So I'm going to do a little bit of digging on that. That's not what you came here to hear, though. But Yeah, they came here to hear me. Hi, yeah, everyone. Oh, yeah, they definitely did. But no, I mean, <laughs> I, I just like to keep everybody up to date because there's a lot of repeated listeners. Uh, all the new listeners are welcome. And check out the catalog if you haven't uh, gone through and heard some wild shit that we've talked about in the past. But uh, with that being said, no other sponsors on the program today. Right. Kim, Hi. you are uh, involved in yet another episode. You haven't been fired here like you were at BlackRock. How's your day going, fella? It's going pretty good. I have another weird, creepy underground um, information bulk for you. I literally love shit that's about underground stuff. I know there's an underground city somewhere. I don't think the world, the world might not be flat. I think it's way bigger than it is because there's a whole world inside of this world. It could be flat if, uh, you know, there there could be, like, a really wide earth. Obviously, I mean, we don't know how deep shit is. So, I mean, there could be, 
you know, if it was a disc, it wouldn't be like a CD. Like, it wouldn't be right. super thin. It'd yeah. be like a fucking square. It would still square. have a center earth, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it could be flat and hollow, realistically. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's provable that there are underground cities throughout time. Um, right. So, I mean, why wouldn't they have evolved these things today? And there's this extensive network of tunnels. Dude, all throughout the country. I'm proving it right here. And this, like, one of my theories about this Centralia coal fire, it's a coal seam fire, which is, means that all the little seams of coal that aren't giant bulk caverns of coal that's what's burning and it's traveling it's not even in the town anymore the town is not on fire it's like seven to ten miles outside of the town going towards the next town yeah so So we're what we're talking about today if you didn't pick it up from the title and that brief little uh you know bantering what we're talking (laughs) about is centralia pennsylvania which has supposedly been on fire for about 60 years at this point yep like 62 years because 2022 and, and it's underground that's key it's not like the fire has been just ablaze above ground it's a strange story and it really is um you know on the surface it's weird but then when you kind of think about what's going on it gets weirder really really quick here so um i don't know where do you want to start with this you did a lot um, of the research as i, I said. think we're gonna just start with the dick and balls of it uh, where it was founded. So Centralia started as a coal mining camp in 19, in 1853. Okay. And they've since found out that that location, pretty much all of Pennsylvania, is the largest coal deposit in America. Like, there's coal running all through Pennsylvania. The entire state could have been turned into a giant coal mining, like, facility. Interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, it's safe to say that there is money to be Oh yeah, made Pennsylvania there. like the Amish, you know, pretty much run topsoil in Pennsylvania, but underground the government has the monopoly on the coal for sure. Well, it's interesting that you say the 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 topsoil, right? Because they in 1949 the mineral rights were uh, purchased by the townsfolk if I'm not mistaken. And the gov- it seemed to piss the government off because then, you know, like just around 10 years later, you get a massive underground fire that's continuing to supposedly to burn to this day. So, yeah. Um, so you said that the, the town folk bought the mineral rights. I thought that the government. Oh, that's right. The government bought the first um, coal mine, but then the mineral rights belonged to the town. The so Centralia the- Council acquired the mine rights back in 1949. Wow. From, from what so I that's researched. Pretty, pretty interesting. So, yeah, basically, let me get into how it was founded. It was founded as a coal mining camp by just like individuals who wanted to make it rich coal mining and shit in Pennsylvania. Um, by 1875, a legit town started because there was so much influx of people. It was founded by none, none other than George Washington and his wife, Mary Jane, Different George Washington. This guy was black. Um, he was the son of an emancipated slave, and his name was George Washington, which is weird. But probably he was like from the, George Washington. Right? Well, yeah, his father named him that, but it, weird. He would have named him Abraham Lincoln or something because he was emancipated from that whole situation. Well, maybe it was a Washington slave. Maybe who knows? I don't know. But yeah, there. His name is George Washington, and he founded the town. He was the richest black man, you know, around. Huh. Which is strange. And then, you know, nothing seems to happen. It's just like a thriving coal mining town for 100 years or for, since yeah, almost 100 years. You said you dug up a bunch of stuff. I didn't know that uh, the mineral rights were purchased by the townsfolk. It's probably because the government, you know, caught wind that it was the biggest coal mine in the country. And so they have probably been harassing this little town to take it over and to take over the coal for like a hundred years. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that's kind of interesting about the mining or the uh, mineral rights is that most people that own property they they only own the surface. I mean, you have to ask for permission oftentimes if you want to put an underground structure. I mean, obviously, people do it all the time without really asking. But 
the government usually owns the air rights over your property and the mineral rights. So they own yeah. underground and they own above ground. You just yeah. own this little slot in the middle. So it's, yeah, you it, have to buy it, a petition yeah. to buy the air rights and stuff. And that's only if you have like if your architect, you know, an architect approves plans that you're going to have like a 70 story building. That's how you have to buy the air rights. That's the only way. Interesting. We'll continue. Yeah. I've got a, a few. Uh, okay. So, like I here. said, it was a thriving coal mining town. Um, since the minimal, mineral rights were purchased, sorry, that's the dog. Since the mineral rights were purchased by the townsfolk, that means that the government would have to give them like a subsidiary, like payments to use the mine and to mine out. They have to give a percentage of you know their income, which the probably government hated. So by 1962, um, a coal seam fire. Actually, it wasn't a coal seam fire. A fire started in the coal mine, like a big bulk like cavern fire started and then now currently it is a seam fire because it burnt out like it took 30 40 years for the giant caverns and all the tunnels to burn through the town and now it's just burning in little tiny seams like how you see gold minerals and rocks those little seams are underground burning all the coal like along the roads and shit like seven miles away from town but it's interesting because a giant you know fire started and a there's three different theories on how the fire supposedly started. Ryan, you have those theories. Yeah, I did a little digging. Found uh, the most popular theory is uh, that, you know, similar to the military, you know, you heard Joe Biden talking about the burn pits, right? And this is how his son passed away. I tend to think it was a sacrifice, but, you know, supposedly Allegedly. passed away. Yeah, well, that's what I think. That's what I said. I, yeah. I don't have proof, but. Sure, some of you out there possibly agree. Uh, either way, rest in peace. I'm sure that he was probably the only good person in that family, so it kind of sucks. But um, similar to that, how the military does it, they would burn uh, piles of trash in and around this coal mine, which seems like a great idea, right? right. And it Highly be, flammable rock. It would and, be unrealistic to think that the townsfolk are burning their trash in their backyards. It's that kind of place. You know? Well, it's not It's not the townsfolk. It's the miners. The, oh. the towns... I mean, there's a, you know, landfill and shit. So they, they turned a landfill into... Or they turned this area right next to the coal mine into a fucking landfill, which, again, right. horrible idea because you're burning trash next to highly flammable stuff. Yeah. So that's the most popular theory widely accepted another one it would definitely be hot enough right you know, a trash fire would be hot enough to catch the coal on fire because you know how hard it is to start a coal barbecue it takes a, a, a good minute of heat to start a fucking coal fire well yeah but if it's big uh, you know a big right. big trash well, you, then you need more heat like the bigger the, the more the coals you have the longer it takes to get those coals hot enough to stay burning for, for the 500 years that it says it's going to keep burning right well a, a landfill burning would last days yeah and so, tire yeah. fires I mean, and shit like that they last a long time too yeah yeah so that was that's the most popular theory there's another thing theory that this uh, dump truck with something that was on fire in the dump truck and they weren't sure that there was like this little piece of trash on fire dumped the dumped near the landfill the day before the fire actually started that one doesn't make that much sense I mean so it that's makes, probably just how the landfill fire started that's what they think well yeah. I mean that's the thing there's no it's clear just, answer like you'd think right. that there would be a clear answer with something significant like this so those or, two theories make sense the one that makes the least sense is that this fire from, uh, I think it's the Bass Collier fire. I haven't heard of this at all. I'm going to look it up, actually. I vaguely f feel like that sounds familiar. Okay, well, I'll look it up a little bit. But I, I'm, if I'm correct on the pronunciation, the Bass Collier fire yeah. um, of 1932 was never fully put out, and it just decided 30 years later to catch back on fire. That's the third I mean, theory. 
campfire smoke for a real long time, and if it's a big underground... Co- I mean, all of those aren't necessarily unplausible. Yeah, I, the one that makes the most sense is the first one, and that's why it's Right, kind of I think that on. the government might have started that fire, allegedly, to get the townsfolk away from, you know, to be able to consider it a catastrophe, and like, oh, you can't have the mineral rights now because it's too dangerous to do anything with it, so we have to take it over. Well, and not to, you know, jump ahead too much, <laughs> there is something very interesting about this town, and it's a church, and we're not going to get into it just right. yet. Right, But it's a fascinating idea, and then when you look into what kind of church it is, and who is may may or may not be affiliated with the church it is it's it's strange and and i that's kind of most of the symbolism that i looked into was some of the things that are in and around this church as far as like the 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 you know symbolic like you know how christians use the regular cross the jews use the star uh yeah, this the muslims one looks like you know, an antenna yeah, it's strange. Catholic so they Orthodox use... churches, I've, I honestly don't remember that kind of cross on any Catholic Orthodox church I've seen. Well, it, well, we're going to get into it, buddy. <laughs> so um, so we left off, obviously, talking about the ways that the fire starts. What? Oh, yeah. and you know what? I oh, do... I have a quote that I have to say that was published in, um, where is it? It was published in a press release of a giant uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania magazine. Okay. Or not magazine, of the newspapers all around, like the major newspaper published this um, first-hand account from their reporter on site the minute that the fire started. Um, it was crazy because, like, they're basically, like, I think it's a lot of um, fake news to try to hype them, like, scare tactics. Yeah. It truly is when you hear this. Um, so, um, basically what happened, I got to get into what happened in the in the mid-'80s. Okay. But before the mid-'80s, right when the fire started, Around like 86, well, the fire had been burning for a really long time and they couldn't figure out how to put it out. But um, a reporter went down there and he released this press article called The Unseen Danger. And what year is this? This is 1986. Okay. Um, So the fire had been burning since 61, Mm -hmm. late 61, almost 62. And now it's 1986. And stuff has happened since then. This is just one of the articles that's been reported about that area. Because the fire's been burning, there's still people in the town, so they're trying to scare the people out. That's what this sounds like to me. But it's called, the article's called Unseen Danger, A Tragedy of People, Government, and the Centralia Mine Fire. And basically the most crazy, most craziest quote of this whole article is, this was a world where no human could live, hotter than the planet Mercury, atmosphere as poisonous Saturn's. At the heart of the fire, temperatures easily reach 1,000 degrees or more. Lethal clouds of carbon monoxide and other gases swirled throughout the tunnels of the underground chambers. Mm, Doesn't that sound like salacious and like something you'd read in a... Yeah, like a fantasy book? Yeah, Yeah. but that's the article describing the town of Centralia at the time during the fires, during the peak of the fires. So, um, this is in 1986, right? So, in 1981, a couple years before this article... A child named Todd Domeski, Dombrowski, Dombrowski, that's what it is. Dombrowski. Fell, what a name, right? Dombrowski. Yeah. Fell in a backyard sinkhole. That sinkhole was 150 feet deep. Uh, he was rescued, but that prompted the feds to declare the town unsafe. They're like, oh, no, sinkholes everywhere, um, which they're already trying to push people out. And then now there's sinkholes everywhere, so they were trying to declare it a catastrophe. And that's when the feds started buying out the town. They offered all the townsfolk a total of $42 million to to relocate. 
and people have been leaving since the 60s, but at the time of like the government's offer, about roughly a thousand people left. So that's like 42k a household. You said mm-hmm. something like that. Oh, 42 million divide. Yeah, that's so that's not that much money to re- relocate. And in 1984, the postal code was discontinued. That means that like it's not going to be issued to any more properties like business or residence you cannot have an address with a postal code there because they're not issuing any new ones they're just discontinued uh the main in in 84 the main road off the highway 61 was closed supposedly no supposedly and i emphasize this supposedly no public road access into this town they the federal government then demolished like roughly 500 buildings they said were um, condemned and you know going to collapse or sinkholes going to happen but on those spaces where all those buildings were like uh, demolished there hasn't been any sinkholes like mm. it's, there's no sink like there I have a report from an interviewer on an article saying that she hasn't she's been there her whole life through this whole situation she's one of the people that went through it with the government and all this bullshit she hasn't seen a sinkhole in five years that's you weird. Know? And she's the the lady that supposedly like does interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's the one lady. Like, you can go and look up pictures of this place. And I can find pictures of a supposed firehouse and police station all in one that don't exist, according to her interview. I can find pictures of her house, which is one of the nicest, biggest, like, buildings that are still left. And then a picture of that church, which mm. we'll get into, which is so fucking creepy. Did you know beforehand too? The uh, in 1947 there was a Centralia mine disaster, and this I believe I did not. Is, this is in Illinois, though. Yeah, so, there's there's another Centralia mine in Oregon. Also, there's a few mines called or like the town of Centralia, Oregon, or something like that. I just see stuff when I look up Centralia mine. I see stuff about Oregon a lot. So there's Centralia mines all over the place, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that might be because the government owns the city of Centralia. They can now every mine that they own that's federally owned instead of calling it like a government mine. They call it Centralia. Centralia mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it is interesting, too. Do you know off the top of your head if this was ever made a national disaster or like a local disaster? No, I've never heard like. I was real young, you know, but I'm just saying like from your research, because they when they first tried to declare it a natural. Yeah, try to work on not interrupting here. Okay? <laughs> the the idea that I'm trying to get at here is that, you know, when when this started raging, um, they tried to approach the governor, which at the time of this whole thing, uh, Dick Thornburg, I guess. Good name. Yeah, that's a nice one. Um, he wouldn't call a state of emergency because they wanted to observe President's Day. So they wanted to celebrate President's Day, a pointless holiday. Yeah. And then apparently this guy was good at what he was doing, taking order. I mean, this is what's what makes it obvious to me. This could get really out of hand if this was serious. This this fire underground, if this was real, could easily get out of hand, right? Right. Why are you going to push off, you know, addressing this fire unless there is some reason that you're trying to get access to it? Because later, eminent domain is declared. So, and and this is in the 90s, but this guy, Dick Thornburg, denied a state of emergency and then goes on to become a U.S. attorney general from 1988 to 1991. Wow. So this guy got a promotion. For for not, it's kind of like the Flint, Michigan thing, like turn your back for as long as you can because the government's got CD plans for these people and if they don't just do what they say, they're going to be fucked. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew Pro 
program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Right. And yeah, in 1992 was when Bob Casey, the governor in 92, invoked eminent domain on all properties in the borough, condemning yeah. all with buildings, all the buildings within. Um, yeah, the subsequent le- legal effort by residents to have the decision reversal failed. And in 2002, the U.S. Postal Service revoked Centralia's zip code, yeah. which was 17927. Yeah, it wasn't discontinued any longer after that. It was revoked. And it was because um, the... The Centralia people like filed lawsuits against the government for bullying and like scare tactics and like pushing them out of their properties and like forcing with like literal, you know, mafia style tactics. Is And so they won the case where they don't have to be forced out of their homes. Like the buildings that are vacant were condemned. No one's allowed to purchase them, live in them, anything. But the buildings that had people in it at the time of 1991, it was 10 people had 10 buildings that they could live in. They were told they could live there for the duration of their life. And as soon as they died, the property would go immediately to the government and not to their next of kin. So, like, in my mind, they should have just took some money and left. But, you know, they don't get anything other than living in Centralia, which is strange to me. Well, you know. And sorry, no, continue. My bad. What were you going to say? I was going to say, um, in 1991, there's still videos on YouTube of old ass video recorders like Recording, there were still like crazy, crazy fires burning in 91 and 92 because there's out of somebody's backyard fire pit, it looks like a torch, mm. you know, with the blue fire and blue smoke coming out of it. It's so hot and so crazy outside of the fire pit and going up in the air. And it's literally just their fire pit all of a sudden turned into a fucking lava torch because mm. the underground is still on fire. And that was in 1991. So, so. Who knows? So the the most recent thing that happens with this whole Centralia town is in 2020 they cover up Graffiti Highway. What but yeah. before that, 2009, the governor at the time Ed Rendell, uh never heard of this guy to be honest, but I'm sure uh, our buddy Ghost has. He lives not far from here, 45 <laughs> minutes. Um this is when the formal eviction of Centralia residents begins and then by early 2010 only 5 people live in yep. this town. And there's a ton of lawsuits that go on, and they're all claiming that they're victims of f- massive fraud. So these pe- these five people That's living crazy. there don't believe that there's a, a fire underground. And there's not anymore, actually. There's actual proof is, since it's been burning for 60 years. Currently, the coal seams, it's not a cavernous of any kind. It's the seams. They're burning literally 7 to 10 miles outside of the town limits. There's no fire in the town anymore. Huh. That's proven. Well, I mean, it's not proven because you go online, you see that it's that it could supposedly burn for another 250 years. Right. No, it's I've found stuff so saying that it could burn for another 500 years. But under the t- like, it's it's a yeah, it's so hot that if it hits another cavern of coal, yeah, it could get hot again. It can cause a cave-ins again. But right now, the burnt part, the part that's actually smoking and burning is not anywhere near the town. It's burnt all it's already burned all the caverns underneath the town. So this. The safety risk is the town now falling, supposedly, into sinkholes because underneath the town it's just charred ash of coal, you know? So, like, hundreds of of miles of caverns, supposedly, of this, like, burnt-out coal mine. 
It's so. pretty damn weird. Yeah. Um, so what else do you have here? Because I'm really interested in the and like where the like fraud begins. Like obviously right, it would be so, with the lighting of the of the damn coal, but I Right. Mean, this one resident that's lived there says that tourists ride through the town on ATVs. There's because uh supposedly there's no vehicle access. Um so she sees people walking on foot up and down the graffiti highway on ATVs day and night. And this was before twenty twenty two, this interview. Because now the graffiti highway is covered in dirt and the it, like it's unrecognizable. You can't even see it. But she says that she hasn't seen smoke or fire or even a sinkhole in over five years. And around everywhere around the town limits, the temperatures on the ground are normal until about five miles outside of the town limits. And then they start to hit 120 degrees in the seam spots alone. And in the seam spots, you can see the ground is black and burnt, like all the vegetation is black and burnt. But around the town, it's green and lush and beautiful. So then why, if things are burning there in the town, right? Why would they take out of that $42 million? Why would they take $193,000, almost $200,000, which is like double the money back then, right? Yeah. Um, they said that the $42 million equals $110 million today. So instead of them getting $42,000, it's basically like them getting $100,000, we'll just say, right? Just to make it easy. Okay, you're being confusing. Where, what are you getting at? So what I'm saying is why would they take basically half a million dollars in today's money to buy flowers and trees to plant around there if none of this shit's going to so grow? So you're saying that the townsfolk, you should explain yourself, the townsfolk took some of that money, like the township, you know, uh, what do they call it when you vote? Like the town council? Yeah. That's who it is. The town council took... A chunk of that $100,000 of that money to plant new trees and flowers all around the city. Yes. That's but, crazy. So why would they do that if... To prove to the government that the ground isn't burning so they don't have to leave. I bet you a lot of these people have lived there for generations and generations. Farms and shit didn't want to leave, didn't have any proof that they're underneath them were burning. I bet you that surveys, geological surveys were done. You know how they have like the x-ray machines through your house to see if there's anything underneath you. And I bet you 90% of those people didn't have nothing underneath their houses because those seams didn't go underneath their houses. But around them... It might have, but right underneath them, solid ground. But they were told to leave anyways. Well, I mean, so there's there's some weird thing going on there, though, because, you know, people are. Oh, yeah, totally something weird. Everyone was told to leave. And it, it's but I'm not. saying like people are passing out in their homes. You know, a few people are supposedly dying back in the 60s, 70s, you know, right when it first happened. And yeah. there was like, like said, canaries. It was, yeah, like it was a giant cavern that was on fire in the 60s. It was very dangerous, like floods and floods. This is a town of probably like 50,000 people at one mm. point and like it got dwindled down to like in the 90s it was, there was only maybe a, a thousand people left okay. you know what I'm saying so like people flooded the fuck out of that town because shit was happening like toward like if you have a giant coal fu- coal mine three miles away from the middle of town then you are going to get carbon monoxide poisoning. It's going to be in the air. Literally, I have records saying that like it was like that movie Silent Hill for the first year of living in that town, like sporadic ashfall, you know, not all day, every day, but like random times, like, you know, all of a sudden it's sprinkling. It's not rain. It's ash. So that's why they they tried to make Silent Hill similar or looks they would have pockets of steam like rise up out of nowhere. So it was pretty dangerous in the 60s. But the people that insisted on staying, like, didn't die because their houses weren't... It wasn't the whole town, but for some reason, the government wanted to take the whole town, you Mm. know? Like, not everybody was affected, but the people closest to these, you know, 
carbon monoxide areas were affected. They should leave. Yeah, but it wasn't the whole... T- it's like the entire town of Tucson being told to evacuate if, like, something at the Air Force happens. Mm. That's not going to affect you. Like, if, if something at the Air Force... If they drop uranium at the airport... That might not be Which good. is fucking, like, 100 miles from here... It's That's not going to, or like, 20. well, you know, but like it's, so it's mountains and all kinds of fire. It's like not going to affect you directly. Immediately. It might. That's a bad example. But I mean, you know, it, it, it's just interesting though, that like the government this entire time is doing the opposite of what needs to be done. Like I said, the people had to take it upon themselves to get pet canaries because, yeah. you know, the canaries die, I guess, with, uh, if with it was that bad, monoxide. then yeah, everybody should have left. But people did leave in, in droves in the sixties and seventies at, like a ta- a bustling town of like fifty k went down to like a thousand and ninety one. You know, was when, there really fifty thousand people? There? I don't know. It doesn't have. I couldn't find anything about what the population like the was. Huh. Yeah, I couldn't. That's a weird thing too. Is that I couldn't find peak population back when this happened. Like, well, so ever. you're you're seeing all of this mismanagement of this fire. People, uh, you know, leaders of the state. Yeah. And the city just being like, no, we're not going to address this fire right now. We'll wait until after the holiday. All this shit, and yeah. then. Um, you know, it, it continues on where there is bidding at a certain point in order to put out the fires. Like, you know, they people, hire private contract companies. Yeah, because now it's supposedly a state matter. It gets to be a state matter. That's it's not la- money laundering. I mean, it, it could be money laundering for <laughs> sure. But I think that I think what's it totally clear was because the fires are uh, supposedly still burning. Well, I think what what is clear, we can allege that it's money laundering and that I wouldn't hate that idea. I think that that makes sense. But what would, what it clearly is is in my opinion and maybe you agree or disagree the the government of Pennsylvania and possibly the federal government too wants this town and so they're ignoring the threat that is going to supposedly kill all of the citizens there right they're ignoring the threat pushing pushing it off putting it back and I mean, it's clear that they want this. They don't want people living in this town. Right, right. Well, I think that you're right about that because right now, currently 2022, strip and open mining pits are still active in the area. Three miles from the town center, there is still an active federal coal mine. They did shut down during the fire, but they have since opened a new vein or something or that fire's out, so they've re- reopened it but it i've have information and saying that there is an active federal coal mine with an estimate of 40 plus active coal mine miners digging which is crazy that they're still and then i looked up i'm like okay if it's an active coal mine still how can those fires be burning so they must not be burning anywhere near the active coal mining going on because it's crazy hot supposedly from the recorded interview or the recorded reporter that did that thing in 86 but um i looked it up and it says online records show over 40 underground coal miners or excuse me over 40 underground coal mines active in a hundred mile circle radius around that town Mm. so that means that like pennsylvania is still like a big producer of coal and around that now pretty much vacant town that only five people are supposedly supposed to live in, there's coal mines all over, like hundreds, like a hundred of them all over in you know that area, but just nothing right there in the town, hmm. which is crazy. And also there's supposedly 5,000 or more abandoned coal mines all throughout Pennsylvania, like collapsed coal mines or they don't, you know, forbidden or government owned. So and they just stopped producing but yeah, there's supposedly tons and tons of coal all around Pennsylvania, so it's not shocking that the U.S. government would have a monopoly on it. 
starting from where it came like started from it kind of makes me think like uh it's a backup plan for if shit goes real bad like if for some reason a massive like world war three scenario breaks out and the united states has to completely isolate they have this entire like massive what do you say it's the biggest coal deposit in america yeah in the so nor- if you, northern america you have this entire area that you can source coal from if you have to power a country still you and go back like the to the old days the state the yeah. state of pennsylvania <laughs> it's interesting so what's yeah. what's in this town now i mean is that skipping ahead so yeah long? no 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 i was just gonna go back and say in 2020 we, we went through this the feds covered up graffiti highway with piles and piles of dirt deterring visitors and by 2022 that graffiti highway that everybody would ride bikes on or atvs it's completely unrecognizable it's like totally covered in dirt and it looks like shit nothing even grew mm. on the dirt piles yet people are actually starting to tag and spray paint the dirt rocks and the dirt piles, which is so ridiculous. Um, one thing I would like to point out that you didn't think it was too creepy, but to me it just was so fucked up, which which leads more into thinking that this whole town is fake. Like that movie about the fake town with John Travolta. Anyways, I'll get into that in a second. What's but it called, The Experts? The Experts. We watched it this morning. Yeah. And I think that's happening there. This is a fake fucking town. I don't want to get into it too much because I'm psycho if I, it sounds like it. But it sounds well, like the movie The Experts, except it's in America and it's training to be someone else because it's so like weird. So it's so weird. Well, but, so well, listen, slow down. So what's The Experts about? The Experts is about this uh, spy town, a town created in Russia for Soviet Union spies to train to be Americans so that when they're fully trained to be Americans, they can go to America as spies and fit in. And they pretend that they're a small town in Texas. They get, they, they realize that they don't, they know 50s culture, but they don't know 80s culture. Oh, nice. So they get to like two dunces who they think own club own a nightclub which is john travolta and some other actor i can't really remember he was a really famous 80s actor with a great mullet john travolta has the worst bangs and mullet i've ever seen in this and movie. he had super straight in this movie too. oh dude no it's funny it's like the, the 80s john travolta movies are him trying to come out to his uh, to you guys and to everybody and it's just it's not accepted so he's like fuck it okay i'll pretend to be straight but anyway so this movie is these two really dunce they want to own a nightclub they go to they're they're like drugged and they think they will go to middle america but what they go to is russia communist russia and they're trying to help these people fit into america but they just think that they're in middle america and these people are just out of touch it's the fuck it's the weirdest fucking movie ever but it makes me think of this town because this town everyone was kicked out and now all around this town there's a bunch of supposed coal mines where do these people live you know, like, whereas this town is not vacant. Also, the one thing that I was going to say that was creepy as fuck that you didn't seem to care about is there are three cemeteries in the town mm. and the feds didn't move the bodies. And there has been reports of smoke coming from the grave sites, coming from the fucking grave mounds of these cemeteries. Nobody moved the dead bodies when the fucking shit started burning. Everybody just left. That's so gross to me. Yeah. I mean, it would probably smell weird, but I don't think that Fuck. it's I don't think it's that weird. I mean, we'd burn our dead kind of anyway. Right. But like the, if the town's going to buy like, wouldn't that be a stipulation for like even considered by the town committee or anything to like it's just respectful? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I don't care what happens with my body when I'm dead. That's like the movie Poltergeist. Like uh, we don't care. We're just going to move the headstones and leave the bodies there. 
Like, mm-hmm. it's just a fucked up omen. You don't leave the bodies, man. You, you relocate them or put them all in one pile in a mass grave. I don't know which is worse. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no there's no optimal outcome here. But I think yeah. that what, what people need to be concerned with, like, live, like, if we're transported back in that time, that's the least of my concerns if I'm trying to adjust the problem. I just think, like, if I'm one of the five people that are still there and I... You want to save the dead people? I that it, sounds like some in, liberal it's logic. In the ni- no, it's in the night. I don't want to breathe in that shit, dude. I don't want to breathe in open cremation. We're not in India. We don't burn people on the side of the fucking river. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not what we do. We have res- like it's a different kind of respect for America. And they just left the, the feds just left the body. Three giant cemeteries. Well, anyway, so let's go moving along. Nice segue to the church yes. that is still fucking standing in so, perfect condition. So this is the big thing that yeah. is suspicious to me. Yeah. Is this church. This brand new perfect condition, brand new paint job. No signs of any kind of charring except the steps up to the church have black char a little on them, which is weird. But uh, it has power and internet cables showing in pictures going into the church. The church windows are all etched and nice and brand new. There's no trespassing signs all over the property. You can't even walk up the steps or even try the door of the church because you are not allowed on the property. Also, the creepy... uh, what's it called crosses in the top of that steeple dude i i i've seen you know orthodox catholic churches like that before and that's not i that's just a weird cross to me i've never seen it out in public like that i guess maybe they're inside in pictures well i'm gonna i'm gonna actually talk about some of the symbolism there within but what the reason why i'm super like you know infatuated with this church in regard to this story is because it's a ukrainian Greek Catholic or Catholic church, right? Yeah. But they have Orthodox crosses. Yeah. And it doesn't say that it's an Orthodox top. church. It just says that it is called where is it? The Blessed Virgin Mary Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. BVM for short, they actually call it. So yeah, wow. the BVM. So when you look at pictures of this, you see all over you see Orthodox crosses. And the Orthodox cross, according to my encyclopedia of esoteric symbols, resembles the uh, footrest that some people argue was a feature of the cross upon which Christ was crucified. The additional bar at the top of the cross represents the initials Inri, uh, meaning Jesus of Nazareth, King of Jews, a phrase designed to taunt Jesus. Um, Because of the lower footrest slanting diagonally, it symbolizes two directions, heaven and hell. Uh, hell being obviously on the left and then uh, heaven being on the right because it's pointing that way. Um, the thieves who were executed at either side of Christ have their destinies symbolized by this slant. The repentant thief uh, takes the upward path toward heaven while the other, uh, not at all repentant, goes to hell. So these are all over the the top of the church. And it's kind of a variation of the papal cross, which I will uh, just briefly describe. Super short description. Um, it's a cross with uh, two additional bars kind of looking like uh, steps. Like I'm pyramid. not going to lie. It kind of resembles like half of a satanic symbol. It looks strange for sure. And then I, I don't know. I always think that anytime that you have anything referring to the N, the I-N-R-I, that Jesus of Nazareth, King of Jews, it's a phrase meant to taunt Jesus. I don't think that that's something that the Catholics, if they truly do believe in Jesus, that's not something you should try and take back. 
Like you know in that movie Clerks when the guy writes Porch Monkey on his on his yeah. shirt and he's like I'm I'm taking it back. Bring like, it back, yeah. And he's like, dude, you're white. You can't take that word back. It, it's it's yeah. completely contradictive. But the papal yeah, cross. Something about that church just gives me bad vibes. Like the the etchings in the windows are like you know window etchings of like depictions of some sort, and I can't make out what they are in the pictures that I have seen on the internet of this church. Right. It's really creepy. So, like I was saying, the Orthodox cross is a variation of the papal cross, which uh, this this cross has three crossbars of graduating lengths, like the trigonum. I've never heard that word. The symbolism of these three bars is open to conjecture, but it, it is generally held that they represent both the Holy Trinity and the three aspects of the power of the Pope. The cross is uh, the cross also looks rather like a ladder, and so it represents a symbolic stairway to heaven. Now, I have one more cross to read about, and then we'll get a little deeper into this church because of the, uh, you know, it's weird enough can that I it's just, Ukrainian. Yeah, can I, I was just going to ask a question. I'm like, how many Ukrainians do you think are in this abandoned town enough to allot the fucking right. papacy of a church? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, there's five people living there now? Right. Five current residents with that address. And how many a, of them are Ukrainian? Uh, exactly. Like, who the fuck knows? So the cross what? Lorraine is the third and final cross that I was going to talk about here just because it's it's basically the orthodox cross without the final bar at the bottom, which is kind of diagonal. The cross Lorraine, essentially a heraldic uh, device used by the Dukes of Lorraine. The cross of Lorraine is a vertical bar with two horizontal bars originally equally spaced at either end. However, this cross is, is used elsewhere too. In the Catholic Church, which this one is, the cross signifies the rank of cardinal and the Renaissance alchemy, it was used... Oh, I'm sorry. And in Renaissance alchemy, it was used as a symbol of spirit and matter. Additionally, the cross Lorraine is used to denote one of the degrees within Freemasonry. Ooh, right? I was waiting for that. And coal is a big alchemic property. Eh, not really. I don't think it so. Is, Maybe it is. It is. I, don't, I don't know much about alchemy. But during the Second World <laughs> War, uh, it was adopted by the French resistance at their, as their secret symbol an emblem to stand in opposition to the swastika, which had been rendered sinister by the Nazis. Now, keep in mind, this is a Ukrainian church with a very sim similar symbol to the Cross Lorraine. Looks like a brand new 2022 Ukrainian church. Well, we know that the Ukrainians have a high Nazi. They're supporting Nazis right now. Right. If you're supporting like to know the war on the Ukrainian side, you're supporting Nazis. Yeah. So it's strange that they're using this symbol to be on top of their church, which goes against Nazis. However, it's a Ukrainian Greek church, kind of Nazi in modern right. times. But um, usually Catholic churches have depictions of saints on the windows on the inside, right? Right, right, right. And so, and I did notice etchings. I was just like thinking about that. And I did notice etchings. I would be interested to know which saints they have etched into the windows of that church, like on the side and on the front, because that says a lot about the teachings of that church, whatever saints they have etched. I wonder if we can find some images. Yeah, so of the of the window etchings in the church, I just noticed it from the one of the pictures, and it looks creepy as fuck. It looks like oh my god, there's ghosts in the window, but no, those are window etchings because it's a church. So it is kind of hard to actually find more than one image of the interior. A lot of these churches look similar, so that was kind of confusing looking through. But 
Um, it's clear that the Virgin Mary is one of the stained glass, you know, representations on the window that you said kind of looked yeah. like a ghost or something. Looks like a dragon is on the other side too. Yeah, so it's hard to know. tell though. Yeah. It's really not a clear picture. Yeah. I'd like to know what what saints are on there. So, right. but I don't think we're gonna find out without going inside, which is impossible because online it says that the church is only open once a year for pilgrimages, but. I can't find what once a year date that is ever. I bet you they have their own website. I can try. Maybe and find they it do, but I can't find it anywhere. It doesn't say. It just says that the 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 church is closed to the public, no trespassing, but it is open once a year for pilgrimages. Pilgrimages? Oh. That's a hard word to say. Pilgrimages. Pilgrimai. Pilgrimai. <laughs> the plural. Plural. Um. Is yeah. The plural of pilgrim. Pilgrimage. Pilgrim, yeah. Pilgr- pilgrimage. Not pilgrimages. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to take a pilgrimage, then uh, to this church, you can. I wonder if you could just show up on any day and be like, knock on the door and be like, today's the day of my pilgrimage. Am I allowed to, je- to enter? They probably, I mean, would shoot you at Sacrifice the door. you. Or yeah. <laughs> Throw um, you in the pit that's in the back of the church. You know, they mostly show. When you go to this site um, of the church of the Blessed Virgin Mary Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, so what I'm at right now is the Ukrarchip. I mean, dude, this it's so ridiculous. So you can't find anything. <laughs> no, it's it's. I mean, I don't even know how you spell this. It's the U K R A R C H E P A R C H Y dot U S, and then the Assumption of B V M, uh, Blessed Virgin Mary B V M Centralia. Um, they, they show the Philadelphia one, the right. Ukrainian Catholic church. Then later on down <laughs> here, they show this one on North Paxton street, which is our, uh, Ukrainian Greek church that we're looking at. The one into. that's in Centralia. Yeah. But it doesn't have a schedule for service or any of that stuff. Or does it even say a lead pastor or anything or a, uh, a lead priest? My bad pastor. Sorry. Christianity and Catholicism smashing each other's faces in my head all the time. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not seeing. I can read about this. Um, right. So tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what you're reading. Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church on North Paxton Street, Centralia, Pennsylvania, was built in 1911. The church is nestled on a hillside overlooking the once thriving town of Centralia, now nearly abandoned due to an underground coal seam fire. Hey, we 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 heard of that. Wow. So now they admit that it's a coal seam fire and not a giant coal mine fire like they're, you know, okay. On August 15th, 1911, plans were made to build a church for all the Greek Catholics of Centralia, all I'm three sh- of them. Right. <laughs> I'm sure there's thousands. The first divine uh liturgy, I've never heard that, so my apologies. Was celebrated by Reverend Yosef uh, Bernetsky from Kaiser. Uh, is he still the? I'm sure he's dead because this is 1911. Okay, yeah, so he's not the head priest. He was the first priest that founded it. There has to be like a, a priest, reverend, a reverend that a building, is in charge. That... A building to serve as a parish school was acquired. At uh, present, the sister servants conduct school during the summer only. A summer Bible weird. camp for children. That's fucking weird. Ascend. What a fucking miserably horrible place. A it's summer like Bible camp for right children there. of the deanery are held at the parish site. God. In 2015, Mayor Archbishop, and this is the guy that I wanted to get into later too. Okay, um, continue. Svitolav, um, Svitoslav Shichuk. And I'm sorry for the fucked up pronunciation, but this guy's got a weird family crest and a coat of arms right, that is seen him? around this hotel. So I'm going to get into it, but... 
um, head of the Ukrainian Catholic Greek Church. He visited the parish site and marveled how the congregation endured so much despite near nearby desolation. Now, what's interesting is, is that this he guy went to that little fucking tiny church. He, he went to this church, and this guy's That's pictured weird. a lot with the Pope. He, That's of course, has weird. his pictures Something's going on with that fucking location, dude. He has his pictures taking the vaccine. Wow, all this shit. But yeah, he was like promoting the vaccine to his parish. Yeah. So we do have a pilgrimage schedule. 12 p.m. hierarchy hierarchical divine liturgy. Um, they don't say a date. 2 p.m. living rosary before the icon of Our Lady of Pachyv. All those bullshit things that you just said is the date. You just gotta find it in their literature. Like you gotta read the Bible and like decipher. That's what I'm assuming. If it doesn't have a date, should we like, call him? Give me your phone. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll give him a call. <laughs> Okay, well, actually, yeah, I'll dial. Okay, yeah, no, here. Yeah, don't say the number out loud, but here, I'm just getting to the phone app. God, it sucks. Okay, pad, okay, go. Okay, let's see. Hopefully they don't get mad at us here. Um, You're finding out here first, folks. Oh, my God, you're calling this church right now to see when we can go do our pilgrimage? I'm just going to ask them a few questions, all right? Oh. Oh my god. On the fly. This is amazing. Well, I get into a little conversation with a very friendly and sweet lady uh, representing that church over there. I put it behind a paywall just because I didn't want to put her on blast. Uh, Kind people. Not a, you know, intense conversation by any means. So, um, you know, if you're interested, you know what to do. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. The rest of the episode is fun stuff. We get into the conspiracies about this church and the potential CIA involvement, allegedly, and some other things. It's fun stuff. Centralia, Pennsylvania, guys. Check it out if you're in the area. Thanks so much and take care. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.